Welcome to the Nerd Gospel Podcast, where the Power Rangers reform the Megazord, and we reform the church. Pretty good. Do you like Power Rangers? What's their sound? Go, go, Power Ranger. Well, that's you know their that. song. Don't yeah. they make like sounds when they're doing their yeah, hand like, gestures? Thump. <laughs> 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 That's what like I should that. have done. My dad used to go, 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 potty trainers. And I would rage. I'd be like, <laughs> yes, you know, Or he'd go, 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 power strangers. And it was that simple to set me off. He's okay. very funny. I love the prime. He's a hilarious. He's a genius <laughs> of a man. Let's get to the news. There it is. The Breaking Bad House. You have no clue what this is because you. I'm going to shame you right now. You've never watched Breaking Bad. I've never watched it, but I know what this is. Okay. You do know what this is. The I don't Breaking know why, Bad House, the real house. Yes. The owners have installed a fence. Why would they use a real house? Just curious. I, I don't know. I don't it seems know. odd. Because a fake house would have cost a lot of money. I guess. Uh, they installed a fence to stop people from throwing pizza on the roof. Now, if you've seen the show, you know this scene. Mm-hmm. He pulls up, he has this pizza, and there's anger, and he throws it, and it perfectly lands on the roof of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite funny. It sits up there for like episode after episode and it's really consistent i mean the show uh, breaking bad is brilliant it's just such a good show i can't recommend it go watch it you can't recommend it i can't recommend it it's filthy go watch it oh I see. you ever seen that meme where it says me and then it says real me and it's like hooded right. that's what's happening right now i see uh but anyways that's pretty funny They're, they had to rub it off this happens with a lot of stuff i went to san francisco and i saw the full house house yeah you ever seen that yeah yep yeah, on uh, the show i've seen yeah it. and it becomes like that house is forever done like it's forever tainted. Either the people who own it or right. have to sell it or they turn it into a museum or something like that. There's a house in, uh, this is unrelated, but there's a yeah. house in Utah. Uh, in I think it's in Bountiful or I don't know, in some town. Yeah. And they did it in the exact style of the up house. It's painted. Oh. It has the little rooster uh, weather vane thing and it's awesome. But That'd they have awesome. a little sign that says, uh, this is not... This is a private residence. Don't take pictures. I'm like, well, why what? did you do the up this, house? This was then? just for fun. Stop looking at us. Yes, but this it's, is for us only. It's like those people that like walk out in public and they're dressed as like a unicorn or something like that, or they're you know they're dressed really goofy. Yeah, and they're like, why is he staring at me? Yeah, you know, and you're like, what? Or the people that have shirts that say like, don't don't look at me here or whatever, and you're like, well, why do you have a shirt that says it? Right. Like, I wasn't gonna do it. Now, if the up house people are listening. I really like your house, and I would love if you would leave a five-star review. And I took a photo. <laughs> so uh, The new Lego sets are coming out. The new ones are every day. That's not news. <laughs> that's just... Uh, new Lego sets are coming out celebrating the women of NASA. All right. And I had to look up... This was cool because I didn't know their, I didn't know their names. And so I didn't write them down, but I learned about them, and I personally now know more about them. Right. And you... Hearing this... Have to look it up. Should go Google it. Yeah, because, because we're not going to tell you. Guess what? NASA... Some people think, some, I've heard a guy say, wasn't well, NASA just full of men? Uh, you would think that. No, I saw it's hidden not. figures. Women work at NASA. Hidden figures. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. That's what, so they're working on a Lego set. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Female. Uh, now, haven't we had female space people in Lego before? Yeah, but this is celebrating like real humans. Real not just ones. Like Betty Lego. Not just the or, idea. Yeah, whatever. They're, what, are, are Lego characters last name Lego? Betty Lego? Bobby Lego? They are now. George Lego. Uh, the Justice League trailer and screenshots seem like they're missing someone. So I watched a screenshot the yep. other day from the new trailer because yep. we had just talked about it. We did. So I went back and I looked and I was like, man, this is such a good, cool trailer. It's mm-hmm. really good. And remember my review was looks mm-hmm. and yours was good. Good. Looks good. Yep. And so I watched it, but it's really weird. You can pause it and kind of go through the trailer and pause it. Sure. And it looks like there's meant to be someone else. And so as they like charge in, there's like a hero shot where they're all charging in. Mm-hmm. It looks like they edited out somebody. 
And so my, and it's been theoried, roaming around the the internet. We've been talking about this. Yes, Green Lantern. Yes, and it look, and not only in that one shot, there's multiple like media marketing going around where it looks like somebody else should be there. Like you know how it just looks a little off. Mm-hmm. Like there's an open spot. Yeah, and there was an Imagine Dragon song we talked about a couple episodes back called yep. the the drawing of the seven or something or mm-hmm. uniting mm-hmm. Us, unite the seven unite the seven. So, anyways, I, I think it just at this point when you're DC, like just let it out, like get people more excited about it. Right? Wouldn't that make sense? Because they're going to have to reveal it. So they're thinking that it... I mean, it's going to come out in yeah. like the yeah, pre... I think, yeah, I think they're thinking it's a spoiler. But at this point, like in this day and age, like that would get me more excited if I saw just a quick glimpse of him. You know, they probably just have a date where they're going to yeah, show those Maybe they will, now. but it's soon. It's coming out pretty soon. Yeah. So Sweet. Uh, anyways, I think it's happening. If if so, then we called it here. First spot calling it. Yeah, this like is, four episodes yeah, ago. Nobody else has called Nailed this. it. Not nobody. Heath gets all the credit. The, I didn't do anything. Yeah, me. The yep. Punisher on Netflix now has a release date of November 17th, 2017. Mm-hmm. There's a new uh, trailer out. Super duper 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 violent and graphic. That's a lot of dupers. Now, you haven't seen the other Marvel shows, correct? No. Oh, well, I saw Johnny Cage. Nope, Luke Cage. Johnny, Johnny Cage. <laughs> uh Honestly, I can't I can't recommend this because I know Punisher like I've read the comics mm-hmm. and he's just there's nothing really redeemable about him. Yeah. He has this tragic backstory where his family got killed um and so most superheroes will go I'm going to I'm going to do something good about this and fight you stop other families from other, being killed. He just takes guns and goes kills everybody. Right. And it's not like it's not like he ever has a change of heart. He's he to this day in comics he just goes and kills everybody. Is he a justice killer or is he just a murderer? He's a murderer oh. because he does like, he'll go to the mafia and mm-hmm. instead of giving them a trial, he just goes and shoots them all and right. kills them all. Right. And it, so it just never ends. Like that's it. And the other superheroes try to stop him every once in a while. It's kind of half hearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Avengers kind of like, it's that hard thing where like he's doing, he's, I mean, he's taking dirt off the story. He's killing these villains, you know, right. these evil people. Right. But somebody should stop him. <laughs> like at some point we need to stop. Letting Punisher do his thing. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I don't know. I'll watch the show. I'm. I have to watch the shows. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I have to watch the shows because it's. You, you just know. said you couldn't recommend it to anyone. I know, except for my other half with the helmet. You the, know, I just talked about it. The cloak. The cloak. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let us know. The cloak, man. I will. I'll let you know. Uh, it's just violent and graphic, so it's nothing. Nothing bad. <laughs> Uh, Avengers 4 is looking for some extras. This is a spoiler. If you don't want spoilers, turn off your little ears. Go la la la. It's looking for some extras to play mourners in some kind of funeral scene. Wow. So so I'm assuming, this is still a spoiler if you're tuning back in, I'm assuming there's going to be a funeral, Jeremy. Some sort of funeral scene. Who do you think's going to die? In Avengers? Yeah, everyone, all of them. No. Superman. Oh, I, think, I think Captain America dies really quick, and I'm calling it Oh, right in now. the beginning. Yeah, really quick. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so uh, spoilers over. Anyways, and everything is that's really cool what Kevin Feige said about Avengers. Uh, let's keep going. Main event. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> the main event, the Reformation. Reform. 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 The Reformation. What is it? What is it, Jeremy? How do we get one? Where do we find it? How does how does it get in our wallets? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is it? Well, uh, the Reformation is uh, when. It's a period of time. Yep. In the 1500s. Yeah. And before. Yeah. And after. Sure. Where, where uh, all these guys were seeing problems in the Catholic Church. Yes. Uh, where they were concerned that 
And by we were, Catholic Church, we mean the Roman Roman Catholic Church. Catholic Church. The word Catholic in the creed, like people say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Yes. What we mean by that in the creed specifically is the Catholic just means universal. Right. We believe in the universal church. All Christians across time and yeah. space. So the, the complaint was with the Roman Catholic Church. Right. So uh, the, the biggest problems were uh, papal authority. So there, the, it was the Pope saying, I decide what's true and what's yes. not true. Yes. Uh, and then also the, uh, well, it's really part of it, but there was they were selling indulgences. Uh, the whole idea of purgatory was a problem, uh, but it really came down to what is the, the basis of authority? How do we know what's true and what's not true? Is it the church or is it something else? And there's corruption, like oh, yeah. not just with money, but with priests and all sorts of stuff. Like they were, they were, you could buy priesthood basically. Mm-hmm. It was like a pedigree type thing almost where like higher class people were becoming part priests, you know, priests. And it was like kind of passing favors because priests were making a lot of money at the time. It was kind of a wealthy gig and you got, you know, food. And while people are dying in the streets and the slums, the priests were living pretty well. Yeah. And it wasn't uh, some separate thing. Like there was, it was the Roman empire was, was now the church. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a new world order. Yeah. End up All right. Well. So here's what History Channel says. All right. And now they're the history. They're called the History Channel. Mm-hmm. This has to be good. There's a channel where they have history. This is so how they're experts. Mm-hmm. They say the Protestant Reformation was the 16th century. So they're already starting the 16th century. Religious, political, intellectual, and cultural upheaval that splintered Catholic Europe setting in place the structures and beliefs that would define the continent in the modern era. That's all true. Mm-hmm. In Northern and Central Europe, reformers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, and Henry VIII, that's a little odd that they would throw him in there, mm-hmm. okay? challenged papal authority like he was some you know renegade, and questioned the Catholic Church's ability to define Christian practice. They argued for a religious and political redistribution of power into the hands of Bible and pamphlet-reading pastors and princes. The disruption triggered wars, persecutions, and the so-called, so-called <laughs> counter-reformation. The Catholic Church is delayed but forceful response to the Protestants. I, I think it's so interesting that History Channel includes Henry VIII, when he was nothing compared to John, I mean, you could not. How do you compare John Calvin and Martin Luther and yeah. Henry VIII? Right. Okay. You have two spirit-filled believers who just did so many wonderful things for the church that mm-hmm. you can't even. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then you have Henry VIII who wanted to divorce his wife. Yeah. So he became Holy Roman Emperor. Like he's like, hey, I want to divorce her. Uh, can I kill her? Or can, what do I do here? And they said, no, you can't divorce her. He's like, okay, I'm going to take authority now. Yeah, so I'm I just going to be my own church if that's yeah. cool. Is that cool? Okay, it's not. All right, too bad. Well, I'm the king. I'm the king. Uh, and so I don't know, you know, but that's history channel, like classic. Mm-hmm. So why are we discussing this, Jeremy? Why? What is what is the importance? We're in Halloween. What are we doing? Well. Is this scary? I don't. I imagine that everyone knows this. Yeah. It'd be shocking to me everyone if you don't knows. know. Yeah. yeah. Just universally across the world. Everyone and if you knows. Don't know this. Pretend to know it. That on October thirty first, Halloween. That's the date that uh, Martin Luther nailed his ninety five theses to the door. Theses? What did I say? No, I'm kidding. Theses. <laughs> I was pretending like a, like a kid. Theses. <laughs> theses. Nailed those to the door in the Witt- in Wittenberg. Wittenberg. And uh, yeah, so now that's the five hundredth anniversary this year. This year, I think the day that this podcast come out. Yeah, it will be. You're right. It, it'll be Monday. the five hundredth anniversary. It's fantastic. Uh, so 500 years since the, the theses were nailed upon the wall. Yeah, and the theses were just statements. Yes. 95 statements about uh, things that he was having trouble with, with the church. Mm-hmm. Because Luther was a monk. 
Yes. And he was trying to reconcile the Catholic Church, what he believed with the Roman Catholic Church, and then what he was seeing in Scripture. And he was saying, hey, here's 95 things I'd like to discuss. Can we talk about this? Yeah. Now, you think, like in this day and age, not nailing something to somebody's door, that's like a felony. <laughs> but back in that day, it was just a way to... Kind of have conversation. Yeah, it, was the, it was the campus bulletin board. Yeah, like exactly. you put that up there, exactly. like, uh, "Hey, anybody want to?" You know, yeah. And I you, mean, you pull off a thing at the bottom with the phone yeah. number. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you imagine, Lu- yeah, Luther has a little thing like, "Hey, call me," <laughs> uh, and he's got multiple. If you imagine Luther like, thump, thump, you know, and he's looking around, and everybody's like, oh, "How dare he?" Like, it right. wasn't like that. He no. just he was like, ding, 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 he ding, did get in trouble ding, for some of those theses. He, yes, as we'll find out. He, some of the theses they threw the door. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> it is Halloween after all. Uh, so why is it important for us to be talking about the Reformation? This happened 500 years ago, Jeremy. Nothing important happened 500 years ago. We're in the 21st century. That's not true. No, Jeremy, this is true. We're millennials. We I, Are you a millennial? No. Do you count? Uh, I don't know. 79? Radar. I, yeah, I, you, I think sure. so, sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm, I'm out. I'm in. I'm definitely know. in. And thank, you know, thank the Lord I'm in. Because you're because so, so cool. We're so much better. Yeah. Uh, because nothing happened in the church Mm-hmm. A hundred years ago. All that stuff's stupid, right? You are so wrong, just like every millennial, oh, about everything. Here we go. Get under the bus, millennials. I He's can't believe how dumb. Oh, so uh, Let's talk about it. Yeah. Why is it important for us as the church, the church Catholic, okay, universal church, why is it important to remember the Reformation? What do you, what do you personally think about it? So uh, I'll just expand this to all of church history. Yeah. Knowing where we came from, is tremendously important. We are a church that is built on historical events. Uh, that inc- that starts with creation. Like we view that as a historical event, not a story. Yeah. Uh, that goes to the flood, historical event, not a story. What? Yeah, that's right. And uh, and obviously that comes up into Christ's time. And there were dinosaurs on the ark, which is important to know. You're interrupting me for no reason because you're a millennial, <laughs> and I can't stand it. And then uh, yeah, in Christ's time, like we have actual stories of. Things that happened in history. And that doesn't stop when the New Testament was finished being written. There's more things that happened. Now, Jesus' ministry is the hinge point of all, all history all and the future. Creation, all the right. world. Yeah. This, is, this is what it's all about. But there are things uh, in the Reformation or in 100 years ago that, that also are still pointing back to Christ, and they're worth looking at. Um, they're not Scripture, and we're not, we're not saying that, but they're important. Uh, it's worth reading things that people wrote. It's worth finding out what culture was like and what the church was doing. All that is uh, is worth your time and part of understanding your faith. Yeah, we we do a huge disservice to ourselves with any history when we neglect where we've come from. Yeah, because we forget about the past. Like you know, this is why it's really important to know about war and all sorts of stuff like this. Because what are we still what are we still doing now today? Talking about like there's wars and rumors of wars. Like yeah. we're about to get North Korea's upset at us, and there's Russia and China and all these everything's and you go, Well, didn't we already do this twice? Right. World War One and World War Two. Yeah, well before that, there were thousands of wars and hundreds of wars that came before. Mankind is a bloody monster. I mean it's it's we're a monster that loves to power and greed and we just kill our we kill each other. Yeah. It's absolutely monster why would we do it? Why would we do it? It's because we don't learn. Mm-hmm. And, our, and part of being sinful means our sinful heart doesn't want to learn. It doesn't want to remember because it doesn't want to be convicted, right, for, for a lot of different reasons. So uh, so why are we talking about the Reformation? Specifically, coming as a millennial, I hate this. I hate, <laughs> I hate it because there's so many blogs. Like, if you Google, uh, why are millennials leaving the church? Yeah. You will instantly have 500 different articles. Yeah. And each one will be like, 10 reasons, 20 reasons. 
30 reasons, you know, and people wow. have all these reasons. And I wrote one of these um, a while back, like six reasons why millennials live in the church. Mm-hmm. And like three of them were because they're sinful, right? And the other three <laughs> were like, why do you care? You know, <laughs> because the whole point is 200 years ago, mankind was exactly like it is 200 years now. Yeah. Okay. Our hearts don't change. Now, what does change is culture. Okay. The way we understand culture, the way we view culture, the way we interact with one another, that does change. Mm-hmm. But our human hearts do not. So if you want to know why millennials are leaving the church, it's the same reason people 500 years ago left the church. It's because they, they went out from us because they were not among us. They were yeah. not of us, so yep. the Bible says. Yep. They don't, you know, we don't need to accommodate the church to suit them. They need to come and hear the word of God and be changed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Ne- never once have I ever preached a sermon and thought, man, I really changed people's hearts today. I preach a sermon and I think, man, I pray that the Holy Spirit moved today because otherwise I was just speaking words. Right. Right. Yep. And so if you want to change millennials, if you want to get millennials in the church, preach the gospel, love them Mm -hmm. like Jesus loves the church, love them, actually love them. Uh, Don't try to sell them on something. Just be their friend. Right. Talk to them. You know, they're normal people. They're normal people. Uh, But why is the Reformation important? It's because millennials in my day and age, they tend to think that the church started 50 years ago. Yeah. They have no idea about church history. They wouldn't even, they go church hit. What? They wouldn't (laughs) even know what that means. And they don't care to know what it means, right? Yeah. But if we, but I think if you can get down their shell a little bit mm-hmm. and show them that the church is really old, I think they'll go, wait, what? Like, I'm tied to something? And if you throw in the word vintage, I think that'll help, right? Yeah. And seeing the... Uh, the church is vintage. <laughs> it sure is. And seeing, the like, a record. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, seeing the, how the path connects to the present, I think is crazy important. Because there was a yeah. time, especially when I was younger, where... Like everything just seems so far away. It was like, well, I have nothing in common with people who lived, you know, a hundred years after Christ died. Yeah, that's not true. Like all of their like struggles were the same. Uh, it was just in their context. Like humanity has always been humanity. There's always been language spoken. There's always been relationships being handled and mishandled. Like there's, and when you see history continually, when you actually kind of walk through, okay, what happened since? Uh, the cross, like what's happened in the church since then. It's an interesting story and it connects you back because you can see how we got from here to there. It's a beautiful story filled with really messed up men and women Mm -hmm. who did beautiful things because God gave them the ability to do it. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. The stuff like we're going to talk about three of reformers Mm -hmm. tonight and they are not perfect men by any means. Right. I mean, none of, nobody is perfect, obviously, but God uses, I love, I love that the Lord, you know, the line, God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Now yeah. I hate that he has to use crooked sticks, but mm-hmm. he does. I was going through, um, the book of first Samuel and first, uh, second Samuel with my boys the other day. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about Saul and David and all this stuff. And one of my, one of my students looks at me and goes, I didn't know the Bible was so bloody. Yeah. Like I didn't know. Somebody, I said, yeah, it's a real book. Yeah. It's a real book about real people and real things that happen. And God's people are sinful mm-hmm. and they're, and they're just like the rest of the world when they, when they fail to look at G, when they fail to look at God, when they yeah. fail to follow his, now when they obey, it's, be, it's absolutely miraculous mm-hmm. what happens. And the same is true today. Yeah. And looking at church history is just like looking at the old Testament. Like yep. there's times where the church just seems like it's gone flourishing. And then, and then there's times where it's flourishing, yeah. but you see, you know, this remnant is always preserved and that, and that's what happened in the rest of, in the reformation. Like there was this time where everything seemed dark, but then there were these bright lights that came and rekindled the fire of the church. Yeah. 
even when I love it, I love even if you look at the parables, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like a mustard seed, mm-hmm. right? It's always something small and then it grows into something big. Yeah. And we're going through Acts in my Sunday school class and it starts out with, you know, I'm saying started with uh, John the Baptist and Jesus and 12 disciples and then 500 are saved, 5,000 are saved. And now the church is booming. It's in Asia Minor. It's in Cappadocia. It's all over the place. Yeah. And you go, what? This happened. This started with 12 little Jews and another Jew. How, what? Like, yeah. how did this happen? Yep. And it's the, the only explanation is the work of the Holy Spirit. For sure. And so how did, how did the Reformation happen? Work of the Holy Spirit. How did the Great Awakening happen? Great work of the Holy Spirit. How did the revivals, you know, back, you know, think about 100 years ago and 200, how did revivals, how does that happen? Yeah. It's work of the Holy Spirit every single time. It's not because of methods. It's not because of cooler buildings. It's not any of this stuff. Yep. It's because the Holy Spirit moved, the people of God prayed, and they, they humbled themselves and called on the name of God. Yeah. That's why the Holy Spirit moves. And that's why I'm here, and that's why you're here, meaning yeah. in the church. That's why we're here. And that's why people listening to this that are, that are Christians are Christians. It's the Holy Spirit every time. So let's talk about what happened 500 years ago. I have a question. Yeah. Is the Catholic Church today, like they did a lot of internal reforming. Yes. So are they cool now? We No. Unfortunately, oh, no. unfortunately, they're not cool now. I thought I you might say that. They still have uh, issues. And the thing about the Catholic Church, too, is they they seem to compound their issues as they get go on and on and on. Because the Pope is still, he can speak, uh, I think it's ad contra or incontra, some weird word that he can do, where that when he's speaking from the pulpit or from the big thing, you know, mm-hmm. then he's speaking infallibly. So whatever he says then, it's like as good as God's word. Okay. Mm. Uh, the other thing too is now there's dogmas of Mary, which make Mary co-mediatrix. So, so like you can pray to Mary and right. uh, she has just as much saving power as Christ does, which is a huge heresy. Yeah. I mean, it's blasphemy. Uh, and, and then of course, purgatory, all this stuff still council of Trent. If you go read the council of Trent, which still stands, you, all of us will be condemned. Yeah. They call us anathema and it's really hard to reconcile when Catholics, <laughs> like I have a um, Catholic relatives Mm-hmm. And it's hard to reconcile because many of them just have to say, and they're wonderful people. Sure. I absolutely love absolutely. my family. Um, but it's hard to reconcile because they go, oh, well, we just don't adhere to Trent. Well, technically, Catholic doctrine says you have to adhere to Trent. Right. Uh, and so by their standards, I am anathema, mm-hmm. and I am going to hell based and on Catholic standards. Anathema means cursed, and it means, it means cursed by cursed. God. It says, let him be anathema if he yeah. believes this and this and this, yeah. and I believe this and this and this. Yeah. And uh, we're going to move on from that a little bit, yeah. but... Just because we're barely touching on it doesn't mean that we take that flippantly. Uh, the Catholic Church is is something that we care about and that uh, that we have looked into, and we're like, yeah. it's not something that we're just like, yeah, well, we're not Catholic, so uh, it's something serious. So, so I don't want you to hear us talk about it for a minute and a half and then think, well, they don't they don't even yes. take that seriously. And we there do. are multitudes of saved people in the Catholic Church that the Lord Himself will save and yeah. will pluck out of that or. Through that, um, the, the, you know, in most, you know, God can save anybody anywhere. Of course. Um, so, you know, now listening to false doctrine doesn't help any of that. Right. So anyway, that, that's all we'll say on that. There we go. Um, who was involved? So let's talk about three people. These are kind of the three key guys who were involved with the Reformation. And I'm starting out with my boy, old Johnny Wick. John Wick. John Wick. Uh, Wait John a Reeves. <laughs> Have you seen this? This is Wycliffe. <laughs> oh, Wickliffe. <laughs> Wickliffe. Sorry. I love John Wick movies. Those are my... My favorite movies. I just watched that on a plane. Did you love it? Don't say you didn't, please. I love them so much. Let's talk about this. Okay. <laughs> John, <laughs> Johnny Wick. John Wickliffe. He's known as the Morning Star 
of the Reformation. Because he's old. Because he's really old. Yeah. No, he was uh, the first star, the guiding light yes. of the Reformation. 1330s when he was born. 1330 to 1384, <laughs> the church was crazy corrupt. There was a thing during this time in the Catholic Church, the Roman Church, called the Western Schism. Mm-hmm. And it happened um, not... Well, it happened between 1378 and 1417, so right as he's passing away. Yeah. But he's seeing it play out. Yeah. And during the Western Schism, there were three popes at one point. Mm -hmm. Three popes. And the way, I don't know if you know the way how pope being a pope works, but it has to be passed down by cardinals, and they go in a little room, and it's really quite cool, actually. There's Mm -hmm. smoke that comes up, and that's how you know they picked a new pope, and we just saw it happen. Yep. Um, anyway, so there's three popes at one point, and at one point the popes are excommunicating each other because there can only be one. There can be only there can be they're like the Highlanders. There can be only <laughs> one pope, and this is another issue with Catholic churches. They say that from Peter to the pope we have now, there's never been. It's always been perfect, the perfect line of succession, right? Because what has to ha- technically happen is Peter's spirit or his blessing, mm-hmm. the keys to the kingdom have to be passed on from pope to pope to pope to pope, right? And the current pope should have the keys of the kingdom. Now, if there's three popes, gets a little gets a little messy. Yeah, two of them didn't have it. Yeah. So it should, and they're excommunicating each other. So it's right. not good. Right. So it should show you how corrupt the church is during this time to, to have three popes. I mean, it's it's in disrepair. Mm-hmm. It's in absolutely disarray. Yeah. So he, he John Wycliffe says uh, something has to happen here. Okay. He starts reading the Bible. He knows what's going on. Um, there's all this corruption, and so he writes this book called "On the Truth of Sacred Scripture." And he calls for the Bible to be translated in English. Now, the, the Catholic Church, the Pope and all them, they say that's the worst possible thing that can happen. Right. And it, they're actually correct in what they said because they're, they, said, they said we should not do this because what will happen is if the, if the matter man has the translation in his hand, they're going to start coming up with heresies and they're going to start coming up with do, denominations and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther said, like, you know, he said, let's do it. <laughs> like, like if that's what comes out from, from the people of God getting the word of God in their hands, mm-hmm. then let's, then let the church be split if that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And there were other parts that were saying that like, it would be offensive to the word of God to translate it out of Latin, which is what they had at, yeah, at that time. Vulgar like, language. Latin yeah. was a high language. And I mean, that's, you know, people used to speak multiple languages, especially educated people. And there were the low languages that you spoke at but home. But the poor did not speak Latin at all. Right, right. So if you wanted to know what, what the Bible said, you had to go to the priest, and the priest could just say whatever. Well, the priest wouldn't translate it for you. He would yeah. t- tell you what it says in Latin, and you'd be like, all right, thank you. Yeah. So the common person, I mean, if you're holding a Bible right now or you have one in your house, like imagine not, not even having that. Okay? Right. They, had no, they just had no way of knowing. Yeah. And so Wycliffe says we have to translate it. So this is also before the printing press with Johann Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. If you know Johann, Johann is. Yo. Um, and, and so this is before the printing press. So you, everything had to be translated by hand. All right. So Wycliffe calls up his boys. He's like, yo, what's up, my boys? Get over here. And they go, what's up, Wick? John Wick? What's up, boy? And they go, yeah, boy, let's get the Bible going. And they go, no, okay. stop it. And they, get the, they start translating the Bible. Okay. And they get, you know, and they're by candlelight and they're hand. Can you imagine handwriting? No. I cannot. I, I barely write ever. Uh, during the during the October, I let my kids, some of my students, um, my youth students, mm-hmm. I give them a little quill, mm-hmm. like you know, a quill and some ink, and I say, "Have fun, start writing." And it's really difficult. I mean, yeah. It's incredibly difficult. Uh, and they did it. So they start translating. To this day, Wycliffe Bible Translators is a real company inspired by the legacy of John Wick. Mm-hmm. And um, stats from their website say this. Now, this is always staggering to me when I read this. Yeah. More than 1,400 languages have access to the New Testament and some portions of Scripture in their language. So just the New Testament and some other portions. Yeah. All right. 
more than 600 languages have the complete translated Bible. That's Old Testament and New Testament. About 7,000 languages are known to be in use today. Wow. So 1,400 have New Testament, 600 have both. 7,000 languages are used. Up to 160 million people need Bible translation to begin in their language. They have to to have even started. Have even started. 160 million people who would die for the Lord of God, just would love to have it in their hands. Uh, Approximately 2,400 languages are across 165 countries have active translation. So 2,400 languages, there are active translation going on, but that takes time and money Mm -hmm. and effort, right? Uh, More than 1,600 languages still need a Bible translation even to begin. That's including, uh, not including sign language. Yeah. Okay. And if you've listened for more than 10 minutes to this podcast, you know how focused we are on, like, you need the Word of God in your life. Yeah. Like, there's there's no substitute for that. And here we have (laughs) 1,600 languages uh, where that's just not possible. Not even possible. They don't get to do that. Yeah. We, I have this video I just, uh, I posted on my Facebook a while back and I showed some of my kids. I was um, talking about scripture and Bible, solo scripture. And, um, and it's this video of people, I think in Indonesia, mm-hmm. who are receiving the Bible in their language for the first time. Yep. And it brings tears to my eyes every time I watch it as they, they just, they're dancing and they're shouting with joy and they're, they're just going, Lord, what you promised to us, we're seeing now, we're holding in our hands and they're just praying and rejoicing. And I'm sitting here holding my Bible going, I, when was the last time I got super jazzed about this, you know, and it breaks my heart, but it's wonderful. And there's other videos with people in China, the underground church in China Mm -hmm. are receiving Bibles and they're weeping over it and kissing them, kissing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now we don't worship the Bible, right? We worship God. Uh, you know, we're not biblio, whatever it is called, uh, bibliophiles or biblio. I can't think of it. People worship by, we're not that. Okay. (laughs) We worship Christ, but, but the Bible is his revealed word and that's how we know. Yes. You know, Faith comes by hearing. Yep. And so somebody got to tell them. So if you're interested in, in translation, go to WycliffeBibleTranslators.com. You can donate money. You can uh, They send out missionaries. Mm-hmm. They look for active translators. They need people to help. Yep. Uh, really cool. My cousins did that for a little bit, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, If you, I mean, if you can go to a native speaker and teach them a language yeah. that, that the Bible's already in, then that, that's how you get that done. And, and missionaries can be a big part of that. Yeah. The next guy, so I just picked out three that were kind of central to starting the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. The next guy is John Huss. Okay, now in the Czechoslovakian, he's Czech. Right. And you would pronounce his name Jan Hus. Jan Hus. Jan Hus. But I'm going to say John Huss because I'm English, because I'm American. Because you're taking Cause his America. culture and just making it uh, yours. Czech is goose. It means goose. So Jan Hus, he was a goose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they call him the goose father. The goose father. And he was 1369 to 1415. Uh, so he was around with John Wycliffe. He knew John Wycliffe. They called him John Wycliffe's bulldog because he mm-hmm. defended Wycliffe so yeah. much. I mean, he just defended his work. Um, he was in the kingdom of Bohemia. He's a renowned preacher at Bethlehem Chapel, but spent most of his time serving in academia as the dean of philosophical faculty in Prague. These, these guys are brilliant. He's a guy. Yeah. He knows his really thing. Smart. Okay, really smart. Okay, really smart. Hus lived in a time when immorality infected the priesthood of Catholic Church. He soon began preaching violent sermons. I love this, violent sermons, <laughs> against the rampant iniquity of the clergy until they reported him to the archbishop and had him banned from preaching. Sounds like somebody else in the Bible who the religious leaders didn't like very much, yeah. and they reported him. He's, he's not being very nice. He's preaching violently against us. Yeah, he's saying these things that make us sound bad. Yeah, Wickless Bulldog. Uh, although still in agreement with the Catholic Church on matters such as the Mass... His allegiance to the teachings of Wycliffe got him excommunicated, tried for heresy, and burned 
alive. So this is the, I want to read this because this is a really fantastic uh, account of, of his martyrdom. Okay. Uh, he was lured to the council of Constance under the pr- promise of safety. So they promised him he'd be safe. Yes. No, it wasn't that way. Jan Hus, Jan, John Hus was immediately thrown into prison for six months, given a mock trial and ordered a recant, which he refused. In July 1415, he was stripped naked, adorned with a dunce hat, painted with devils, and labeled arch heretic, all as he prayed for his enemies. Mm. They then led him past a burning pile of his books and chained him to the stake. In response to being chained up like a dog, he said, My Lord Jesus Christ was bound with a harder chain than this one for my sake, so why should I be ashamed of this rusty chain? They told him once more to recant, but he refused, proclaiming, What I taught with my lips I will now seal with my blood and that he did as the flames climbed higher he sang the secretary of the council pronounced "O cursed judas because thou hast abandoned the pathways of peace and hath hast counseled with the jews we take away from thee the cup of redemption uh, as if they had the ability to do that but you see this was the the danger they thought they could take away people's salvation yeah they thought they could block their yeah it's just absolutely Awful. Uh, in 1999, Pope John Paul II, he went to the Czech people and he apologized. And he basically said, our bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry about this. And, and the new pope now, uh, what's his name? I can't, think, I can't even think of it. Oh, Francis, right? He took Pope Francis. Sure. Um, he, he even has now tried to make amends with Lutherans. Oh, right. and he, and he's oh actually, I saw some of that. Yeah. From what I understand, he's actually doing it. Like Lutheran's church, like, okay, we forgive you for mm-hmm. what you did to Luther. Um, anyways, they, so he said, my bad. After Huss was finally condemned to death, he proclaimed, you may roast the goose, uh, the goose, but a hundred years from now, a swan will arise whose singing you will not be able to silence. Uh, exactly 102 years later, a sprightly monk nailed 95 theses to the Wittenberg door. Hmm. And they, that's why they call Martin Luther the swan. He, he was the goose. John Huss was the goose, mm-hmm. the goose father, and Martin Luther was the swan. Now, he was two years off of his prophecy. <laughs> Uh, but I think, I think, as a spirit-filled Christian, I think his prophecy is really true. I mean, like yeah. uh, Luther was the one who nailed the the coffin, so to speak, of the Roman Catholic Church and started really started the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about Luther. He was growing up, and he was a smart kid, and he was out in the middle of a of a, a thunderstorm going on, and uh, it was lightning really bad. He thought he was going to die, mm-hmm. so he prayed to like Saint Anne. And he said, if you will save me, I will uh, dedicate my life to, to the Lord. I'll be a monk. Yes. As, you know, people are want to do. They make, um, you know, bargains with God. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't die. And so he goes, all right. So he became a monk. <laughs> and Luther was a really good monk. I mean, he was like like the king of all monks, right? And, but he was very uh, obsessed with his sins. Yes. And he would go to confessional for like six hours. And you can imagine the other priests like tagging out priest you know like hold on luther we gotta get another priest in here and he would just confess and confess and confess and then he would leave and he'd sin on the way back to his dorm and he'd come back and confess yes the sin he was just having he was just over overrun by the guilt of being a sinful man yeah overwhelmed and in the catholic church you have to go confess right in order to get your sins absolved and the priest would say we'll say five hell marys or you know say this your sins will be forgiven whatever yeah and so he said i can't i can't keep coming back this is this is no way to live. I can't do this. I, yeah. you know. So he started reading Paul, uh, reading Romans, and he really under, he came to this realization that you're we're saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, uh, and and where is we where do we find all this truth in the scriptures alone, mm-hmm. and who is it all by? 
Christ alone. And these became the five solas alone, sola meaning alone, of the Reformation, the yeah. five charges. Yep. And oftentimes you'll see these in a circle with the Luther's rose in the middle. Yep. Right. Um, so he so he said, well, okay, right, here's some issues I'm having with the church. There's 95 issues, in fact. I got 90, <laughs> 95 problems, and the church is the number one, right? <laughs> uh, so he puts up the 95 theses on the door. And as Jeremy said, did they love that, Jeremy? They didn't really like they it didn't, very much. Yeah, they didn't like it. So they call him to this thing called the Diet of Worms, the mm-hmm. Diet of Worms. Yep. Uh, and it's the diet is just like a council. Yes. And they stand him before the, the cardinals, and they say, will you recant? And he says, here I stand, right? It's not actually... Some people say he didn't actually say it. It's just... It's like a legend. It's lore that he said it, right? It's real. It's real. <laughs> and he says, he says, here I stand. I can do no other... So help me God. Yes. Um, well, so they didn't like that either. <laughs> okay. He didn't recant. Mm-hmm. So his buddies come and at midnight, they like try to, they steal him away. They kidnap him and it's a fake kidnapping. Yeah. And so they steal him away and they hide him off uh, at Wartburg, I think Wartburg castle. And he takes on this false identity for mm-hmm. like a year or a couple years. And he starts writing more books and writing more manuscripts. And he starts translating the Bible into German. Yep. That's where you get the, you know, Luther translation of the Bible. And so why is that work? And then eventually they kind of, they like, they lose track of Luther and the, the prince or whatever. He, he's got his own problems of his own, the king. And so they just kind of forget about him. Yeah. And he comes back and he can preach and do whatever. Um, so that's Luther. But Luther started it all with that little hammer, that little nail. Um, but ultimately Wycliffe had started it. You know, Huss had come before him. And there were many others who came before. Yeah. Uh, John Knox, all these other people who died for the faith. Yeah, and to just give you uh, a taste of Luther's, like, the way he writes his poet, his is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I've got this section. This is from a, a book by Roland Bainton, Bainton uh, called Here I Stand. It's uh, the premier, I think, the premier uh, biography. biography of Luther. Uh, so he says, these are Luther's own words. So this is from something Luther wrote. I greatly long to understand Paul's epistles to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression, the justice of God. Because I took it to mean that justice, whereby God is just and deals just in punishing the unjust. My situation was that, although an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would assuage him. Therefore, I did not love a just and angry God, but rather hated and murmured against him. Yet, I clung to the dear Paul and had a great yearning to know what he meant. Night and day, I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which grace and sheer mercy God justifies us through faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of Scripture took on a new meaning, and whereas before the justice of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet in greater love. This message of Paul became to me a gate to heaven. If you have a true faith that Christ is your Savior, then at once you have a gracious God. For faith leads you in and opens up God's heart and will, that you should see pure grace and overflowing love. This it is to behold God in faith, that you should look upon his fatherly, friendly heart, in which there is no anger nor ungraciousness. He who sees God as angry does not see him rightly, but looks only on a curtain as if a dark cloud had been drawn across his face. Wonderful. Hmm. Because the God of the Bible... You don't have to go to a priest. We have a high priest in heaven named Jesus who you yes. can pray to, yep. you can call out to. We have the high priest who died 
uh, as the sacrifice. He himself was the sacrifice for our sins. And justification just means just as if I'd never sinned. Not only just as if you'd never sinned, but it's just as if you had lived a perfect life. Yes. And so when you when Christ is your all in all, not only do you, does he take all your sins on the cross, but he gives you all of his righteousness. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it means to be justified. So Luther had freedom now. And no longer did he have to go confess. He had total forgiveness once and for all in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what we have today. And so why do we celebrate the Reformation 500 years later? We celebrate it because I don't have to have a church sell me salvation. God has purchased it for me, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a church or a priest, an earthly priest who's fallible. I don't have to have popes and councils who are fallible just like me. They're, they're broken men, sinful men. They suffer the same condition I do. I have a high priest who's perfect yeah. in heaven. Uh, so I don't, we don't have to have that. And that's what the Bible says. And that's what Luther fought for. Um, and so now it's true. We do have all these denominations. We have heresies. We have all these different things that have cropped up. But the people of God have the word of God yeah. in their hands. And they, they don't have to listen to any counsel. We can listen to the word of God himself. We read the words of God. Right. We can Bible. be in direct relationship with Jesus, not with our priest who then goes to Jesus for us, which is the Old Testament system that was supposed to point us to Christ. That was supposed to show us that one day there'll be a priest for all, uh, all who love God. And there's no merits of anyone else. It's only Christ's merits we yeah. have. Uh, the Catholic Church would say you have merits of the saints, you have the merits of Mary, you have the merits of... No, no, no. It's only Christ's merits. Yeah. It's all we have. All we have is Christ. And that's everything. Christ alone. That's everything. And we don't need anything else. That's right. <laughs> Christ alone. Um, here, so you heard the good lo- words of Luther. Oh, dear. Now let's hear his insults. So Luther was uh, sort of a foul mouth. <laughs> um, you know, he had, he had you know, forgiveness in Christ. But he had a temper. Mm-hmm. He was also had depression. I mean, he was an, a broken individual, yes. right? Luther, here's some Luther's insults. You can go type in Google and type in Luther insulter, and it's really, it's really <laughs> quite funny. So here's some insults. He says, are you ignorant of what it means to be ignorant? Ooh. <laughs> Fooey on you, you servant of idols. That's a oh, good one. Oh, snap. You are like the ostrich, the foolish bird which thinks it's wholly concealed when it gets its neck under a branch. Or like small children who hold their hands in front of their eyes and seeing nobody imagine that no one sees them either. In general, you are so stupid that it makes one feel like vomiting. That one's just me. That's <laughs> no, not that's cool. really good. Uh, your astute minds have been completely turned into stinking mushrooms. Oh, wow. Uh, and lastly, this new thing you have devised is the vilest cesspool that the devil has on earth. That's harsh. Um, Luther, he, we don't, we don't, <laughs> here's what we're doing. We're not praising him. We're not praising Wycliffe. We're not praising John Huss. We're praising what God has done in history. Yes. And all throughout the Bible, you're going to find broken men and women that God used to do wonderful, mighty things. Yep. And he's still doing it. He's doing it today. He'll do it 100 years from now. He'll do it. Because yep. wherever God wants to move, he's going to move, and he's going to use us to do it. And you have, that's, that's part of being a Christian. You know, Jesus doesn't say, a few of you take up your cross and follow me. Right. He says, hey, take up your cross, follow me, all of you. And being a Christian means you're a servant. It means yes. you are a servant. It means your, your duty is to the gospel. And it means it may come to one day where you say, these flames overtake me, but mm-hmm. I have Jesus. And you sing. Yeah. You sing. Anyway, so the Reformation is wonderful. Uh, we're doing a Reformation party here at the church. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really nerdy. It's <laughs> super nerdy. Uh, but don't neglect our heritage. Our, our church history heritage is ridiculously deep 
It's filled with blood of martyrs, mm-hmm. men and women who died so that you can sit in your churches on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's filled with people who died for the name of Jesus. Yeah, and knowing. It's not like they knowing. they died because uh, they thought maybe they'd get in trouble if they said something else. No, they like they stood up for God. And, 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 and they said, we're going to kill you if, you if you don't recant. And they said, okay. Yep. And they said, no, for real, we're going to kill Okay. Yeah. I, I know that you're going to kill me because I just saw you kill my buddy last yeah. week. Yeah, and that's okay. Right. And that is, oh, is that's a world we're not too far away from. Mm-hmm. It's happening right now. Yeah. Where people are being burned and killed for their faith. Um, so not to end on a sour note, Reformation's awesome. I mean, go go read about this. Go read about the great awakenings that happened with um, Stoddard, Solomon Stoddard, and Jonathan Edwards, and George Whitfield. That's really cool stuff. The early history of the America and how that spread, how God, the gospel yeah. spread uh, to, the, to the natives, to the tribes, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, there were injustices that happened, but there were wonderful things that happened as well, right? Mm-hmm. So sort through that, sift through that. Um, there's so much history and, and it's just all rich and beautiful. Don't neglect it. The yeah. church didn't start 50 years ago. It's been going on for just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and when, the, when acts ends, there's something that happened that next day. Now it's not the Holy scripture and you got to do a lot yeah. more like trying to make sure you get real stuff. Uh, but there's something that happened after things that and it's worth continue. looking. Yeah. And there's early church fathers who were really fantastic and they wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah. So and just because it's not scripture, doesn't mean it can't be really edifying to you. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for listening to this Reformation Day themed episode of the Nerd Gospel Podcast. If you enjoyed it, uh, if you would like to talk more about it and go, hey, what is this about? You know, I'd like to hear some more stories, whatever. Come find us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, go find our website, thenerdgospel.com. You can email us there. You can say, hey, uh, I'd like to write something for a blog. And here's the, okay, cool. We'll take that and we'll sift through it. And we're like, yeah, this is wonderful. We don't right. put this up. This is great. Uh, you can find, you know, if you want to review this, that would be great. No pressure to do any of this stuff. We just enjoy that you're listening and that we uh, can talk with you maybe. I actually want to put all kinds of pressure on you. No. So feel it. Don't do it. (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Man, it's fun doing this. Uh, I have a blast. I'm Heath. I'm Jeremy. Stay nerdy. Nerdy.